All right, let's take our Bibles tonight, turn over to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. And as you find your place, as is our custom here at Riverside Baptist Church, you're able to go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians, chapter number 5. Uh, before service tonight, uh, two of our older saints uh, stopped me as I walked on in and, and let me know they were praying for me <clears throat> and said that they've really enjoyed the last two weeks. And I won't mention their names. I don't want to embarrass Brother Jay or Brother Wheeler. Uh, they've really enjoyed the last two weeks, but it didn't really apply to them because they don't have any kids at home. I said, well, that's good because tonight's message isn't really focused around kids. It's more focused around the husbands and the wives. So, you're welcome, Brother Wheeler and Brother Jay. All right, Ephesians chapter number five. No, in all honesty, uh, you know, uh, you could, I know that uh, Pastor asked me to preach on the home every Sunday night in the month of November, and honestly, you could preach on the home every Sunday night for an entire year and just not even scratch the surface. There's so much there. And so I'm trying to, uh, when I <clears throat> began studying for tonight's message, it was 11 pages. And I don't have like big font, I have like little font. So 11 pages of notes I was going through and, and uh, rewriting and looking at transition, just making sure it kind of makes sense and to give you guys something tonight that I feel would be beneficial to us in our marriages and in our homes. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter number 5. And if you have a marker in your Bible, go ahead and mark Ephesians 5. We're primarily going to be here, but there's some other texts we're going to look at. I know at least for one passage specifically we're going to turn to and uh, see what God has for us. But in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to skip down toward the middle part, toward the end of the chapter, verse number 21. And we know this, that Ephesians is an epistle written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And so we're going to pick up kind of midway through this chapter in verse number 21. Here's what Paul writes, and obviously he writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Husband, or sorry, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives." even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined into his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Then we get down to chapter number 6. And Paul says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I've titled the sermon tonight, The Home, Let's Build One. The Home, Let's Build One. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be back in your house this Sunday night. And as we are in our third week of preaching on Sunday night on the home, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to open Scripture and apply it biblically uh, for our hearts, that we might be in tune with what you'd have for us. There are no perfect homes represented in this auditorium tonight. As a matter of fact, there are no perfect homes represented in the United States of America. And honestly, there's no perfect homes represented on this globe Lord, there's always homes that need help, that need fixing, that need tweaking. Or nobody here in this auditorium tonight is perfect in everything that they do in their relationships and how they manage their home and how they manage their uh, finances and how they live life and how they raise their children. God, we need your help. 
And so I pray that we've come tonight with the mindset of, I, I don't need to hear this, I, I, don't, I don't need to fix anything, but I pray that we've come with the mindset of, Lord, would you speak to my heart? And if there is one thing, or if there's a hundred things that I need to get right with you, that I do exactly that, get it right with you. Where we ask that you meet with us as only you can, Lord, this service is about you. Like Pastor just says, it's, it's about you and only you. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, we began a series preaching about the home, and specifically, the very first night, we looked at the fact that we're losing our children at an alarming rate, that our kids are growing up in church, and uh, even in good homes where mom and dad are there, mom and dad love them, but yet they grow up and graduate high school and transition from, let's just say, like teenage to young adult, and they are quickly exiting the church house. And we're living in a day and age where Christian teenagers are bombarded with the influences of the world, the influences of peers, the influences, can I say even like this, of even their own parents. And it's an alarming rate to see young people leave the house of God. So in the first week, we kind of just a quick review here. We began this series by first looking at where did it start to go wrong? And we looked at specifically three things that parents need to know your role and your role as an authority within your children's life, that you have a specific role that takes place. It's not as a friend. It's not as a companion. It's not as a, a, a bro. It's more of a parent. There's an authority that takes place with the parent. Then number two was embrace the responsibility. We looked at actually this text that night, Ephesians chapter number six, specifically verse number four, that fathers have a responsibility to raise their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then we looked at number three, what we do is what we get, understanding this, that if we're going to fake spirituality, our children will do the exact same thing. Last week, we looked at this, that the parent God desires me to be. And specifically, we are in Proverbs chapter number 23, verse number 26, where Solomon wrote these words, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. And we looked at the fact that God desires for us to be a godly parent and to raise godly children. But in order to do that, there were four specific things that we looked at last week. Number one, we had to look at the fact that as a parent, as an adult, as a father, I have to pursue God and love Jesus with all my heart. Listen, I can't tell my kids love God and I don't. I can't tell my kids live godly, and I don't. I can't tell my kids honor God, and I don't. I can't tell my kids pursue God and pursue God's will for your life, and I don't. It just doesn't happen. Number two, we looked at this, that obeying your heavenly father, obey your heavenly father and let your kids know it, that you as a parent, you as an adult, set an example for your children, uh, more, listen, more by what you do than necessarily by what you say. Number three, don't get caught in the appearance trap. Sometimes we have this mindset that I've got to, I appear one way at church, but I'm another way at home, or I'm one way around my children, but I'm another way when I'm with friends or with coworkers. Don't get caught in the appearance trap. And then number four, we had to prove our beliefs and biblical standards. It's more than me just saying, hey, listen, kids, this is, this is what we're going to do as a family, or this is how I'm going to raise you, or this is the decision I've made as a father. There's got to be some Bible applied to it. There's got to be a principle applied to it. And so we asked ourselves this question last Sunday night. Before we ask our children for their heart, does God have our heart? Really, when you think about biblical parenting and really the home, we've got to ask ourselves that question personally on a personal level. Does God have our heart? We want our kids' heart as parents. It's a responsibility. When Solomon said, my son, give me thine heart, he understood the, the significance of the heart, but does God really have our heart even as an adult? So tonight I want to shift gears a little bit and look closer, take a closer look at the home. Specifically tonight, I want to look at the husband and wife relationship. Got real quiet. Look at the husband and wife relationship. So Webster's 1828 defines marriage as this. The act of unity of uniting a man and a woman for life. I'm going to read that again. The definition of marriage. The act of uniting a man and woman for life. The legal union of a man and a woman for life. Marriage is a contract, both civil and religious, by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic felicity, and for seducing, or sorry, for securing the maintenance and education of children. So marriage, what we think in our society in 2022, what marriage is, does not line up with this definition. It just doesn't. 
Listen, to, in, in, in 2022, marriage can be between a man and a man. Marriage can be between a woman and a woman. Marriage can be what you want it to be. Listen, we live in that type of culture that you and I get the opportunity and the privilege, if we wanted to, to define marriage. Yet the, the truth is, is God's already defined marriage within the Word of God. And so the definition for marriage tonight is already within the Word of God. See, the quality of the husband-wife relationship has a lot to do with how our kids turn out for the Lord. So let's be honest tonight. I'm going to kind of put the parents on the spot for a second here. Parents, your kids know when things aren't right between dad and mom. Emily, you're smiling. Parents, your kids know when things aren't right between you and your spouse. Whether or not you want to admit it, they know. Our kids know when there's tension in the marriage relationship. And they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Our kids have a way of reading us. We think about our spouse and the relationship we have with our spouse and the friendship that we have with our spouse and our spouse knowing, uh, who, uh, knowing us on an intimate level and knowing maybe what we like, what we dislike. But can I say this, that our kids, they know us as well. And our kids know when mom and dad aren't right. No, no, they, they know when there's stress. They know when there's tension. They know when there's a struggle going on. They know, listen, they know when things aren't going right in the husband-wife relationship. Well, Brother Andrew, I thought we were talking about the home tonight. We are. I thought we were talking about raising kids. We are. We are. It's amazing how many young people I've talked to over the last 20 years who, who have described situations at home between mom and dad. We had year, years ago, years ago, years ago, I'll just give you an illustration, years ago, we had a young lady, we went to a youth rally in Colorado on a Friday night, and a young lady went forward, and my wife dealt with her, a young lady in our youth group, and, and uh, her home situation was so bad, so bad, that she was cutting herself. No, no, she just wanted out of the situation completely, because mom and dad were one way at church, but another way at home. They were one way, listen, they were one way in the Christian school, but another way at home. They were one way at work, but another way at home. And it had caused such turmoil within the home that a 13-year-old girl sitting at the altar bawling her eyes out, showing my wife her wrist, saying, I just, I just want away from this. I want out of this. And said, Brother Andrew, that's a pretty extreme case. It is, and I pray that's not happening here at Riverside Baptist Church, but the fact of the matter is this, moms, dads, husbands, wives, your relationship in the marriage says a lot to your kids. And how you treat one another says a lot to your kids. And so in our text tonight, in Ephesians chapter number 5, I'm going to give us, give us just out of this portion of Scripture, five elements, five, I think four, no, four, sorry, four elements of a healthy marriage that God desires for us. Notice in verse number 25 of chapter number 5 what God says here. He says this, the uh, Bible says, Husbands, love your wives. Verse number 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own body. In verse number 33, Paul writes this, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. In Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 19, Paul would write this. He says, Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. You think maybe tonight that the men within the church of Ephesus and the men within the church of Colossae had an issue in loving their wives? I mean, look, just in our text here tonight in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul mentions multiple times, husbands, love your wives. Here's the the very first element that we need within our home and within a a marriage relationship. The husband must love his wife and communicate with her. So let's take into consideration, for instance, the home dynamic that Paul's addressing here in Ephesians chapter 6. As Paul writes Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6, he's dealing with a mindset within culture where wives, or we say like this, where women were looked down upon. Where women, women were more of a possession or property than a gift from God. No, no. The, the culture that was going on as Paul was writing this letter to the church at Ephesus was that there was a disrespect and a disregard for the wife. A disrespect and a disregard for the woman. That is why Paul would then say this, husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. And sometimes we read this text, and here's what we want to harp on and what we want to major on, children obey your parents. We want to harp on, wives, submit to your husbands. But we really don't want to harp on the fact that as men and as husbands, we're to love our wives. Let me ask you this, husbands and fathers tonight, do your kids know that you love your wife? 
Do your kids know that you love your wife? I didn't ask if they know if you put up with her. I didn't ask if they know dad ignores them. He ignores her. I'm not, I'm not asking tonight, do your kids know that you love your wife? That you lo- Listen, that you love her, that you adore her. Some men have the same mindset today even that Paul's, the men that Paul dealt with in, in, in Bible times here in the, in, in the, when he wrote the book of Ephesians. See, the word love in our text tonight is the word agape. In Greek, it means this means faithfulness, commitment, an act of the will. There's a deep abiding love that Paul says for you and I as husbands, as husbands tonight, that we're to love our wives. But then he goes on to say this. Look at verse number 25. He says, husbands, love your wives. Man, that's a pretty profound statement, Paul. But Paul, watch what Paul does. He says, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You see, men loving your wives, we ought to love our wife like Jesus loved the church. Well, how did Jesus love the church, Brother Andrew? Selfless, sacrificial love. The love that Jesus had for the church, here's what he demonstrated. It's all about, it's about the church. I'm going to lay, I mean, exactly what the Hall sisters just saying. Man, I'm going to lay down my life for the church. I'm going to demonstrate my love to the local church. Husbands, do you demonstrate your love to your spouse? Do you really love your wife? Well, Brother Andrew, I tell her that I love her. Those are just words, bro. Do you show your wife that you love her? Do you, listen, do you, do you have a, a conversation with her and specifically uh, relate to her how much you truly do love her? Or are you focused on yourself? No, no, because look, look at what Paul says here. Look at verse number 28. He says, so men ought to love their wives, watch this, as their own bodies. Man, Paul knew men pretty well. Let's just be honest. Us men, we can be pretty prideful about ourselves. No, if we want a new gun, we'll go get a new gun. If we want a new car, we'll go get a new car. If we want a new pair of boots, we'll go get a new pair of boots. It's very easy sometimes for us men to focus upon ourselves and forget that God tells us, love your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. And listen, loving your wife is more than just saying, hey, honey, I love you. Loving your wife is demonstrating your love. It's demonstrating the affection toward your wife. See, why is this important, Brother Andrew? Because our kids are watching. Our kids are watching. Little boys and little girls are watching how we respond in our marriage relationship and husband to wife and wife to husband. So vitally important, husbands, that we love our wives. Husbands, do you love your wife? It has been said that one of the most important things that a man can do for his children is to love his wife. By loving his wife, the man pleases God. Uh, And by loving his wife, the man pleases his heavenly father. By loving his wife, the man proves to his children the significance of God's leadership in his life. Hold your place in Ephesians. Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter number 3. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 3. So Brother Angel, I thought you said that husband must love his wife and communicate with her. Where are you getting that from? Well, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3 and look at verse number 7. Peter, as he writes this, he's he's dealing with the husbands and the wives in the very first part of chapter number three. He talks about, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands and and talks about being in subjection. But I want you to notice verse number seven. Here's what he says. He says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. Who? Dwell with your wife. Dwell with your family. He says, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. God tells us as husbands and as fathers that we're to dwell with them according to knowledge. That means this, that there must, come, there must be some comprehension, if you would, on the part of us husbands when it comes to our wife. You see, a wise husband, a wise father will recognize the wife as, listen, not just the weaker vessel, but a valuable vessel in the marriage relationship. Not to belittle her, not to berate her, not to treat her like dirt, but rather according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7, the Bible says to honor her as the weaker vessel. So what does that mean, Brother Andrew? Listen, a wise husband will not only treat his wife with Christian love and tenderness, but he will also listen to her. Talking about a wise husband. You're like, oh, this isn't going the way I wanted it to, Brother Andrew. No, no, a wise husband will listen to his wife. And all the wives said, amen. Oh, a wise husband will listen to his wife. Man, I'm thankful for me not being wise sometimes, but a godly wife will say, hey, listen, can I talk to you? Can I talk? Can I, can I, can I, can I, come here, I need to talk to you. And out of love and respect, as my wife, she'll talk to me. 
Listen, a wise husband doesn't just berate his wife as the weaker vessel, but recognizes the fact that God put her in his life to complete him, to be a helpmeet, not to be a thorn in his flesh. No, no, no. Listen, our kids, our kids see enough in, in Facebook ads and YouTube videos and sitcoms to see a bad example of a marriage. Let's just be honest. Our kids see enough out in society to see husbands and wives fighting in the aisles at Walmart, to see husbands and wives fighting at stores and this person saying comments about this person and this person posting stuff on Facebook about this person. And they, they, have, they see enough of that. You know what they need to see? They need to see a husband and wife who love and respect and honor one another. You know where it begins, guys? It begins with us as the husbands. It begins with us as the leaders. It begins with us setting the example that our kids see when how we treat our wife. And so 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7, look what he says again. He says that, that as husbands, that we're to dwell with them according to knowledge. We're to dwell with them. We're to dwell with our wife according to knowledge. What does that mean, Brother Andrew? Well, i got to get to know my wife. i got to talk to her. i got to communicate to her. i gotta, I got I to gotta listen to her. i gotta, I got to open my mouth. And sometimes as men, we, we, we have a kind of a uh, one-track mind. We're focused on one thing, right? And we're, we're kind of got the blinders on. Sometimes our wife is talking to us maybe about a situation in the home, maybe a situation about our kids, and, and Lord help us, maybe a situation about our relationship as husband and wife. And we're so focused sometimes on all kinds of other things that we don't honor our wife as the weaker vessel. We don't honor our wife in the way that God has placed her in our life to be our helpmeet. You see, God has given us a wife, and, and giving us a wife, our wife has been given God-given wisdom. She's made in the image of God and has a different but important perspective than that of the man or that of the husband, that of the father. But let's just be honest, she normally spends more time with the kids than we do. She normally knows the kids a little better than us. So I'll kind of open up about us, my, myself and, and my wife, Crystal. So there'll be times that I'll call Crystal and I'll just say, hey, how are the kids? How are the kids doing today? And sometimes it's a good report. Sometimes it's a not-so-good report. But there's that communication. There's that, there's, that, there's that me as a husband, as a father, and the mother who's been with them all day and who's homeschooled them and who's been on different activities, been in the library and different things and, and, and been around them all day. She can say, hey, listen, this is, this is, you need to spend some time with this child right here. Or, hey, we had issues with this kid right here. Dads, we're shooting ourselves in the foot if the mindset is this, I'm the husband, I'm the father, I'm the leader, submit to me, done. We're hurting our family. We're destroying the home. You realize tonight that the home was the very first institution that God established? Even before God established the institution of the local church, He established the institution of the home. Man, how important is that? God says, listen, uh, men, you have a responsibility. You have a role. We'll get into this here in just a second. You have authority, but don't neglect your relationship with your wife. Love her. Cherish her. Honor her. She is the weaker vessel. She's not to be stomped upon. She's not to be mistreated or disrespected, but she's to be valued. In his book, Raising Godly Children, author Ken Ham uh, makes the following remarks concerning what he saw in his parents' relationship growing up. It's a direct quote. Here's what he said. Quote, often my mom would be behind the scenes persuading dad and reminding him to be gentle and gracious in his approach. Sometimes dad was about as subtle, uh, as, about as, subtle as a brick hammer, and sometimes needed to be, yet the gentle persuasion of a godly wife was always in his ear, reminding him, listen, of his responsibilities to use his words carefully and constructively. Not only should husbands listen sincerely to their wives, but we should be seeking their input and hastening their comment. Apart from Christ, they know us better than anyone in this world. Having a discerning wife who is willing to speak the truth to me in love has been an invaluable asset as I seek to lead our family. Husbands, do you, do we really love our wife the way that Christ loves the church? It's a pretty serious question to ask ourselves as husbands. Do we really love our wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for. Do we honor our wife the way that God desires and commands us to? Element number one, the husband must love his wife and communicate with her. But then go back to Ephesians chapter six. Look at verse number four. Not only must the husband love his wife and communicate with her, but here's element number two. We're talking about the home. Let's build it. He says this in verse number four of chapter six. 
He says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Element number two is this, the father must be the spiritual head of the home. You see, neglect of this responsibility is one of the greatest reasons why so many young people from Christian families, quote, drop out of church. The word wrath here means a strong desire to avenge. Strong desire to avenge. He says, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. How does a father provoke a child to wrath? By not bringing him up or her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Most fathers have no desire for the word of God, and they're raising very vengeful, angry children because they are not committed to training their children in spiritual principles as God's command. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4, has often been referred to as the biblical mandate of parenting. The word nurture means this. We've gone over this last two weeks. It means discipline. Admonition means instruction. So in a nutshell, here's this. Paul is saying this. Fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Dads, we must be the spiritual leader of the home. We must be the spiritual leaders of the home. You see, as fathers, we have the responsibility to submit to the lordship of Christ in our lives. Failure to do so will result in failure to see the fruit that remains. In his book, Fatherless America, author David Bleckenhorn makes the following statement. Quote, this culture changed from a stable two-parent home to the father's abandonment of his responsibilities. Listen to this. The father's abandonment of his responsibilities of marriage... And parenting is America's most urgent social problem. Mr. Blankenhorn made that statement in 1995. Think about it now. 2022. So it got me thinking this week, how bad are the homes in America? And when looking at the father, the father absence crisis in America, if you would, you find some startling statistics. So I did a little bit of research and all this is readily available from the United States government. You've got to trust the government, amen? From the year 2010 to 2020, it's estimated, listen, that there were 42,760,000 births in the United States of America. Of those births, 40% were born out of wedlock. That means this, 17,104,000 children were born without the father present. According to the National Fatherhood Initiative, research shows when a child is raised in a father-absent home, they are affected in the following ways. Four times greater risk of poverty. They are more likely to have behavioral problems. Two times greater risk of infant mortality. More likely to go to prison. More likely to commit crime. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. More likely to face abuse and neglect. More likely to abuse drugs and alcohol two times more likely to suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of school. Well, Brother Andrew, you don't get it. Those statistics are for homes where the father isn't present. Father's absent. That's true, I'll give you that. But the trend is this in America in 2022, that just because there might be a father in the home does not necessarily mean that he's present. Just because there might be a father in the home doesn't mean he's involved in raising his children. And these statistics we look at and we think about all these things that take place and we think about all these, these are, these are children being raised in a home with a single mom or by a grandparent or by a father who's absent. Can I say this tonight, submit to you tonight, that these things are taking place even in homes where mom and dad are present. These things are taking place where a dad goes to work and labors 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You see, neglect of spiritual leadership by the father is a major reason why so many Christian families fail in raising godly children. The wife or the mother has an essential role to play, but she cannot take the place of the father. Dads, we have a responsibility. Well, Brother Andrew, I mean, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to lead your family. You're supposed to set the example. Well, how do I do that? Can I I just, we, we made a, before Crystal and I got married, one of the conversations we had when we got, before we got married was how we were going to raise our children. You said you had that conversation? Absolutely. I believe, personally, I believe you need to have that conversation. That's a serious conversation. Listen, when you get married, it's not just, hey, I love you, you love me, let's get married. No, no. Remember, marriage is for life. Till death do us part. And so there were certain conversations that we had as we uh, got engaged or were praying about getting married. And one of the conversations we had was how we were going to raise our children. And, and, and very specific you know, conversation, like, how are we going to discipline our kids? What we were going to allow within the home. What we were going to allow them to do extracurricular activities. 
But one of the things that we determined very on, even, bef- even before we became engaged, we knew that God had uh, prepared uh, uh, each other for each other. We knew that we were going to make a commitment that every time the church doors were open, we were going to be in church. Okay, I'm going to say again. We made a commitment that every time the church doors were open, we were going to be in church. So, Brother Andrew, what does that mean? That means when we go on vacation, we go to church. When we go on vacation, we go to church. That when there's a service going on at Riverside Baptist Church, we're in God's house. Unless we're sick or stranded on the side of the road or pastor fires me, amen? Something. No, no, we made a commitment. We made a commitment that we were going to be in church. So what does that look like, Brother Andrew? Here's what it looks like. Um, last year, last year, I'll give you a personal example. Last year, we went to Branson for a family vacation. And we left on a, I think on a Monday, we went from like a Monday to a Saturday. That means we were going to be gone on a Wednesday night. We didn't, we didn't stay in the cabin down in Branson and watch live stream. We didn't. When we started planning, Brother Brandon, here's what I said. Hey, we're going to go to church on Wednesday night. And here's our two options. We're going to be in Branson. Do we want to go see Brother Decker or we want to go see Brother Abel's? And Brother Decker lost out, so we went and saw Brother Abel's, amen? But we went to church. We went to church. Uh, this last, this last uh, August, went out to Colorado to visit my parents for a week and a half. Man, every time they had church service, we were there. That Sunday we were out there, the church had a Labor Day picnic. We were at the picnic. Hey, I can't sit here and tell my kids, hey, church is important. The house of God's important. But hold up, we're on vacation. Hold up, we got, we got this... No, no, that is a failure of my responsibility to be the spiritual leader. So, man, Brother Andrew, you know, I, church isn't that important to us. That might be something you need to talk to God about. That might be something you need to consider in your life that maybe you need to fix. That maybe it needs to be a priority. Maybe it needs to be more important than your vacation. Maybe it needs to be more important than everything else. The father must be the spiritual head of the home. It's element number two. Then back in our text in Ephesians chapter number 5, notice what he says here, verse number 21. Paul says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Oh yeah, Brother Andrew, I know where you're going with this one. I, 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 get, I get where you're going with this one. Alright, so here's element number 3. The wife must have a godly, submissive spirit. Let me explain this. If the mother is stubborn and rebellious toward authority, beginning with the authority of her own husband, the children will imitate this rebellion. But I want you to notice in verse number 22 what Paul writes. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You know, too often we look at this text and we cringe. We cringe. We're like, oh, I just don't like that word of submit. I'm supposed to submit to my husband. I'm supposed to be submissive to my husband. But you know, a lot of times when we read verse number 22, we fail to read verse number 21 in its context. Look what the Bible says. Submitting who? Yourselves. You realize tonight that submission is not just for the wife? Oh, hold up. We look at, we look at verse number 22 and, and sometimes we're, we're like cringe on it and we kind of like, man, you know, I, I really like the word of God. I really like the, that Bible. But that one part of me as a wife, Brother Andrew, hold up, hold up. Before you get to verse 22, you got to get to verse 21. And the Bible says this, submitting yourselves, watch, one to another in the fear of God. One to another in the fear of God. So often the focus has been put on the wife submitting to her husband, when in truth, it's not just the wife that's to submit, but also her husband. The wife submits to the husband, the husband submits to Christ. So I'm give a kind of a quick side note here, time out for a second. It says, maybe the reason tonight your wife isn't submitting to you the way you think she needs to do is because she knows you aren't submitting to Christ the way you know you should be. So often we have this drama that goes on between a husband and wife relationship, and let's just, let's just call it what it is, fighting that takes place. One of the other conversations that Crystal and I had before we even got married was that we weren't going to fight Some of y'all think that's foreign. No, we, seriously, we weren't going to fight. We weren't going to yell at each other, and we weren't going to put each other down in front of our kids. Now, as far as I know, we've never done it. Never. Have we disagreed? Absolutely. Have we disagreed on some big things? Absolutely. But we've never been like, 
bless God, I'm the husband, you best obey me, woman. Never. 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 Listen, I, Brother Joey, I've never had to go up to my wife and say, Crystal, you see this ring? It means you're to submit to me. I'm your husband. I'm the head of this house. Never had to do that. Nor will I ever do that. Because I don't want a black eye, Amen. <laughs> The point is this tonight is that we so often look at submission as the submit listen that we so often look at submission as that's the wife's issue when in reality it's not just the wife's issue but it's the husband's issue as well. And when we think about the husband wife relationship and the elements that go on to building a home I mean as a husband I can't look at my wife and say listen sweetheart Crystal babe you need to submit to me as your husband if I'm not over here going God I'm going to submit to you and your leadership in my life. God, I'm going to submit to your lordship in my life. So often there's, there's problems. I'm say there's fighting and there's conflict that goes on between a marriage because they said this, they did this, and this, this, this. When if we would just grab a hold of verse number 21, and from the very beginning, both of us, husband and wife, submit to God first. Man, verse 22 is a cakewalk. Verse 22 is not a problem. Verse 22 isn't, isn't an issue in our marriage. You see, an overbearing, mean-spirited wife will do more damage to the home than we could possibly imagine. God designed specific roles for the husband and the wife. And as the wife submits to her husband, she shows her children the godly example of authority that should be found within a marriage. Notice verse number 23, what Paul writes. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife. The husband is the head of the wife. Listen, God God didn't establish the marriage relationship to where there's supposed to be conflict all the time. God didn't establish the marriage relationship so where there's supposed to be like this power grab going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. No, no, God established the marriage relationship with a hierarchy, if you would. God being the ultimate, God being number one. And then under that, Jesus Christ, and the husband, and then the wife, and then the children. There's a specific design that God has when it comes to the marriage. So in verse 23, Paul says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to her own husbands in everything. So wives, when you submit to your husband, when you show that spirit of godliness and submission to your husband, you know what you're showing your kids? Ultimately, the fact the church is submission to Christ and, and the, the way that God planned it, the way that God designed it, there's a picture, a beautiful picture of Christ and the church that's displayed in the husband-wife relationship. Well, why is that so significant, Brother Andrew? You ever told your kids, church is important, and they look at you like a deer in headlights? You ever told your kids how important their walk with God is, and they look at you like you got a third eye in the middle of your forehead? You realize everything that we do as a parent, every decision that we make, every demonstration in this husband-wife relationship, everything points back to the Word of God. Everything points back to God's Word. And so when the relationship between a husband and wife is not right, and yet we're standing in front of our kids saying, listen, you need to listen to Pastor Marshall. Man, you need to listen to the word of God. You need to listen to the message. Here's our kids. You're not. Why should I? You're not listening to God. Why should I? And we wonder why we lose our children. Because they see a mom and dad who in a marriage and a husband and wife relationship ought to picture the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, ought to picture the love that Christ had for the church and gave himself for it. Here's what they see. Conflict, fighting, everything, just absolute chaos. And they're like, I don't want that. Because that's exactly what the world shows them. So here we are as parents trying to raise our kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And man... Pastor Marshall, I I had my kids in Sunday school. Man, I had my kids at church. I had my kids on bus ministry. I had my kids singing in the choir. I had my kids doing this. I I had my kids reading their Bible. I had my kids, I had my kids at Lord's table. I had my kids doing all, I had my kids going to youth camp. I mean, they want nothing to do with God. You know, my wife over here, she's a mess too. Well, I wonder why your kids are a mess. Maybe because the attitude you have toward your wife is just as bad. Maybe the attitude you have toward your husband is just as bad. You know, we live in a, in a culture, in a culture where, man, we don't like to be told we're wrong. We don't like to, we don't like our sin pointed out. We don't like to be told, hey, you need to fix this in your life. But truth is tonight, we are losing our kids, not, not, listen, not because the preaching's bad, not because the church has failed, it's because mom and dad have failed. 
It's because the relationship that is pictured in the Word of God, our kids are not seeing that. And our kids ought to see a dad who loves their mom. And our kids ought to see a mom who's submissive, who's godly, listen, who loves and reverence her husband. Not walking around like, oh, you're the greatest thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But they ought to see something real in your husband and wife relationship. Instead, here's what they're seeing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting and bickering. It does not help. These verses are among the most loved and hated of the New Testament church because they call out a sad reality. Here's the reality. Society tells us this, that every man, every woman can do what they want to do. Yet God's word says, man, you have specific responsibilities. You have specific things you have to do that you are commanded to do. Wives, ladies, you have specific responsibilities. Oh, and by the way, there is a hierarchy. There is a hierarchy. Some women read these verses here in Ephesians chapter 5, and they feel that they make the wife inferior to the husband. But neither interpretation is correct. God is not establishing the husband as some kind of dictator within the home. Nor is God relegating the wife to a place of servitude. Listen, your wife, husbands, is, is not your slave. She's not your slave. I'm going to say it again. She's not your slave. Man, this is going over great tonight. Your wife is not your slave. Nope. In fact, that word submit means this, to arrange under. The truly spiritual wife recognizes God's order in the home. She understands that it is a reflection of God's order within the local church. Jesus is the head of the church, and we are to submit to his headship, his leadership, his authority in our life. The husband has been given the responsibility of leading the home, and the godly wife follows the husband's leadership willingly and humbly. The husband is not to demand submission from his wife, and she is to offer it freely and lovingly. This submission is to her own husband only. No, no, look, look, at, look at what he says. He says, in, in here, wives, submit yourselves unto your what? Own husbands. Wives, submit yourselves. He, he recognizes the fact that this relationship that Paul is referencing here in Ephesians chapter 5 is between a husband and a wife. That's it. He's not, Paul's not degrading women. Man, Paul's often been knocked, and especially commentaries in the last couple of years, Paul's been knocked as like a, a hater of women, and man, he was so against women. No, no, that's not what Paul's getting at. Paul's not saying that women are, are subservient to men. That's not what he's describing here. But he is describing this, that the submission from the wife is to be to her own husband. Women are not to be subservient to men. They are equals, even in the home. But yet God has invested leadership within the husband, and he will be held responsible for the home. Man, I can't tell you how many times Crystal and I have talked and prayed about decisions and things, whether it was us personally, whether it was our children. And at the end of the day, here's what she says. Well, you're the husband. You make the decision because it's on you. Husbands, that's our responsibility. That's the responsibility. There's going to come a day I'm going to stand before God and give an account, Brother Marty, for how I, how I treated my wife, how I raised my family, how, how true I was to the word of God. My wife's not going to have, I'm going to have to do that. And that is a huge, huge, huge weight upon my shoulders. Man, and having a godly submissive wife who's, who's praying for me, who loves me, who's there. Listen, who's willing to say, hey, you're not doing this right, or hey, we need to think about this, or hey, we need to pray about this. Man, what an invaluable asset in my marriage. While women thrive on maybe sometimes attention, time, and affection, a man loves nothing more than having his ego stroked. When a woman makes a man feel that he is absolutely essential to her existence, she has made him feel respected and important. An old preacher of old described it like this. He said, when a woman submits to her husband, she needs to realize that she is simply honoring God. God did not give this command to dehumanize the woman or to make her into a slave. He gave this command so that his order might be maintained in the home. The wife must have a godly, submissive Spirit. And then element number four, look at our text in Ephesians chapter number six. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Here's element number four. Children must know and live out their responsibility. Up until this point, we've really focused this message and the messages in the last two weeks on the two adults in the home, but we're going to take a, just a kind of a slight shift tonight 
into Ephesians chapter number six, verse number one through verse number three. Some of you are already thinking like, wait a minute, Brother Andrew, you began this sermon tonight talking about the husband-wife relationship. Now we're talking about kids. Well, yeah, kids affect the husband-wife relationship. Our children affect the husband-wife relationship more than we're willing to acknowledge even tonight. Our kids play a vital part in our relationship as husbands and wives. You see, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul addresses the husband-wife relationship, the latter part of the text there in chapter number 5. But in chapter number 6, he kind of switches gears and addresses right off the bat children. Let's be careful not to confuse the words submit and obey, and the difference in Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter number 6. So in chapter number 5, Paul references the fact in verse number 22 that wives are to submit themselves to their own husbands, but then in chapter number 6, Paul tells children, obey your parents in the Lord. And there's a difference between submission and the obedience in this text and the, and the application of it. You see, the wife occupies a place of equality with the husband, and submission is merely a question of headship and authority within the home. Whereas the child is to obey as the servant is to obey, according to verse number 5 of Ephesians chapter 6. Disobedience to parents is the last and lowest form of lawlessness to occur on this earth. Give you an example, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 1 and verse number 2. Uh, Paul would write in Timothy, and here's what he'd say. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. You see, disobedience to parents is one of the characteristics of the last days. And today we hear many cases of children reacting to parental authority and even killing their own parents because mom and dad take away their cell phone or because mom and dad take away their Xbox. So, Brother Andrew, that's not a huge deal. Oh, I beg to differ. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. When our children don't understand their role, their responsibility in the home, man, it causes a lot of confusion. And it can really, really, really ruin a husband-wife relationship. I've seen it. I'm sure Pastor could give testimony uh, of him seeing it. I'm sure Ms. Pam could give testimony of them seeing it. And can I say it like this? I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, but not just in church members' homes, but in preachers' homes and in missionaries' homes as well. That when the children aren't, uh, listen, when the children aren't disciplined and there's no instruction given and there's no obedience applied, man, it causes a big rift. Big rift. So, how does, what does Paul say here? Look at verse number one. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I'm going to give you two distinct things that Paul gives us here in this text. Number one is this. He speaks about the actions of our children. He says this, that children are to obey their parents. This word obey means this, to submit to, to comply with, to heed, to follow directions and instructions. It literally means this, to hear under. This means that a child is to listen to the voice of his or her parents attentively, and they are to respond to what they hear with perfect submission. They are to do as they are told. You ever been to, uh, I'm sure you have, you've been to Walmart, or you've been to Target, or you've been to Hobby Lobby, or you've been to Hy-Vee, you've been somewhere, and mom and dad are checking out, and little Johnny, little Susie's over there grabbing candy, put that back, put that back, put that back, hey, I told you, put that back, hey, I'm not going to tell you again, put that back. I am not going to tell you again, Johnny, put that back. No, we don't have the money for that candy bar. Put it back. No, we don't have the money for that toy. Put it back. Constant, 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 constant. Can I, can I just be honest and let you in just a little secret here? If that's how you parent, you're breeding rebellion. You're breeding rebellion. You're breeding. I can give you examples. I can name examples. You're breeding rebellion. God never designed the, the, the husband-wife relationship and the husband-wife-child relationship to where the child gets to just do and dictate whatever he wants. No, no, look what he says in verse number one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Well, what does that mean, Brother Andrew? It means this, that their action, their action ought to be one of obedience. This obedience in the home lays the foundation for obedience throughout their life. You see, everything in God's universe can be boiled down to the word obedience. I'll give you an example. The planets and the stars. Who do they obey? God. The seas. Who do they obey? God. The animal kingdom. Who do they obey? God. You see, everybody, everything boils down to obedience, yet humanity is the only part of God's creation that walks in rebellion to the revealed word of God. Because here's how we approach this verse. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Listen, Johnny, I'm not going to tell you again. Johnny, I'm not going to tell you again. Johnny, I'm not going to tell you again. I have told you five different times now, put that back. 
Listen, that is outright rebellion. Outright rebellion. Outright rebellion. I know this is, this is going over really good right now. Outright rebellion. Listen, I, I shouldn't have to walk around and look at, and I'm going to pick on, I'll pick on Micah tonight, because I picked on Levi a couple weeks ago and he cried. Uh, I'll pick on Micah tonight. I shouldn't have to walk around and tell Micah constantly, Micah, do this. 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 Oh, man, Micah, do this. Crystal, would you tell him to do? Hold up. This, some of us have been there. Some of us can give testimony. That's how, that's how we did it. Oh, I, I should be able to say, Micah, hey, dude, I need you to clean your room. So I'll give you an illustration with Micah. Uh, the other night, he was wanting to do something. And I said, hey, before, before you do that, your room has to be cleaned. So you make your kids clean their room? Yeah. Yeah. I make, they clean their room. So, Mike, you need a clean room. Here's what he said. He was sitting on the couch. He said, Dad, my room's clean. But you know, just the way he said it, like my parent radar went off. <laughs> and I thought, okay. And I walked back into the kitchen just for a slight second, Brother Joey. And then I turned around and looked at him sitting on the couch. And he kind of looked at me. We made eye contact. And I walked down to his room. Remember that? Yeah. I walked down to his room. I walked into his room. And guess what? It was clean. He did what I asked him to do. So what'd you do? I walked down the hallway. He was sitting on the couch, and he kind of was like looking at me like this. And I walked by as I walked by. I said, a big old smile came across his face. Now, had his room not, yeah, good job, good job, Micah. Had his room not been cleaned, (laughs) no smile. Okay, Here's, here's the point, here's the point. I'm not, I'm not teaching my kids that, like, bless God, I'm your dad, I'm the dictator, I'm the authority, I rule your life. That's all I'm trying to teach my kids. I'm trying to demonstrate to my kids that there is always going to be an authority in their life. And that they are to obey that authority. There's going to come a time where Micah, he's 10 right now. There's going to come a time in Micah's life where he's going to be 20 or 30 years old. And the only authority he may have in his life at that point is God. And if he grew up disobeying his mom and dad and disrespecting his mom and dad and living in rebellion to his mom and dad, guess what he's going to do at 20, 30, 40, 50 years old? He's going to live a rebellious life toward a holy and a righteous God who wants nothing but the best for his life. As children learn to obey their parents, they're setting the stage for obedience throughout their lives. They're learning respect for authority and they're learning to obey the other voices of authority that God places in their life. Listen, mom and dad... Don't, 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 don't take for granted that your kids are just going to obey you just because you're the parent. No, teach your children. Obedience is the key. Obedience is the way. But then notice what he says here in verse number two. Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. But then he says, verse number two, honor thy father and mother. Not only does he speak about actions, but here in verse number two, he speaks about attitude. You see, children also are told to honor their parents. And honor means this. The word honor means this. To respect, to revere, to hold in high regard. This speaks about a child's attitude toward what his parents tell him to do. A wicked child may obey the voice of his parent, but secretly he despises them in his heart. Parents been there? No, no, not, not your kids obey you, but they despise you, but you as a kid. Oh, I've been there. I've been there. Man, the, the worst thing about doing this series is that my mom watches the live stream. Man, it's like confession every Sunday night the last three weeks, right? Hey, listen, there's been times, I hate to admit it, but there's been times as a teenager, yes, mom, I'll do that. No, no, look at verse 2. He says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You see, children should have great respect for their parents, They should be careful not to backtalk their parents. They should never run their parents down to their friends. They should respect their parents just as they would the Lord. Even after they've grown up and married, they have to honor mom and dad. Again, when children learn to respect their parents in the home, they grow up with a natural respect for other people. 
A child who, however, who disrespects his parents will usually have little respect for others. The fact is plain to see as our world has become increasingly filled with rude, insensitive, self-centered, self-entitled people. Why is that, Brother Andrew? Well, verse number one and verse number two, they don't obey their parents, nor do they honor mom and dad. I found this sermon quote, illustration, however you want to describe it, I thought it was very interesting. It's about the family. It says, the family is either like a sand dune or a sculpture. You see, a sand dune has no shape or design to it. It just comes about by whatever environment forces play upon it. It has no real foundation. Tomorrow's wind will change the shape and the look of the sand dune. But a sculpture has design. There's intention. There is a goal. There is a purpose. There is a message. You see, your family will either be a sand dune swept and blown around the winds of culture and circumstances, or your family will be a sculpture with design and a purpose and a goal to it. Well, man, Brother Andrew, I want my family to have a goal. I want my family to have purpose. Okay, element number one, the husband must love his wife. Communicate with her. Love his wife. Element number two, the father must be the spiritual head of the home. Element number three, the wife must have a godly submissive spirit. Element number four, children must know and live out their responsibilities. So man, Brother Angel, that's pretty basic. It's pretty straightforward. It is, but yet it's the hardest things we do. Because if we're truly honest with ourselves tonight, husbands, there's times we don't love our wife like Christ loved the church. And if we're honest tonight, fathers, husbands, we're not the spiritual leaders in our homes that we ought to be. And wives, if we're honest... Sometimes we don't have that godly submissive spirit. Sometimes we might outwardly be submissive, but deep down inside we're like, oh, buddy, you're doing your own laundry this week. And children, kids, teens, sometimes we don't obey mom and dad. Or maybe we do obey them, but we really don't honor them. See, building a home is more than just man, woman getting together and getting married and having children. Building a home takes work. It takes, it, it's effort. It's a daily, I say it like this, it's a daily grind. A daily evaluation of my relationship, first and foremost, with my Heavenly Father. And then next, my relationship with my spouse. And then next, my relationship with my children. Every day, I have to work on it. Why, Brother Andrew? Because every day, there is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And the devil would like nothing more than to destroy my life, destroy my marriage, and destroy the relationship I have with my children. Your home, my home, is of the utmost importance. But if we look at these scriptures tonight, we look at Ephesians 5 and Ephesians chapter 6, and we look at these principles and go, bah, ah, that's, that's old-fashioned, Brother Andrew. That, that, that's old-fashioned. It'd be, it'd be really nice if maybe a dear saint of God could stand up and give testimony of living out these principles, listen, that have been tried and tested the biblical way, who could stand up and say, hey, it's worth it. Because for everyone that could stand up and say, hey, it's worth applying biblical principles, there's probably about 50 or 60 other couples that can stand up and give this testimony. Yeah, I didn't apply biblical principles. And I lost my kids, I lost my marriage, I lost my walk with God, and I'm miserable. God doesn't want us to live miserable within the home. God wants us to have joy in the home. God wants us to have peace in the marriage. God wants us actually to like one another and to enjoy spending time together. But there's some biblical principles, some biblical, some biblical elements that must be applied to the home if we're going to build it the way God wants us to build it. Let's stand tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you for the privilege tonight we've had to be in your house for the word of God and Lord, I don't know if anything's made sense tonight. There's a lot of information going through my head. But I pray tonight, Lord, that if there's an area of our life, area of our home, maybe an area of our marriage that needs to be addressed, maybe needs to be looked at. And, and Lord, I, I know the crowd I'm preaching to tonight. I know it's a Sunday night crowd. Lord, I'm thankful for my church family. And I, I don't know of any marriage issues. I don't know of any home issues. Uh, Pastor and I have not talked at all the last three, four weeks about any of those types of things. Lord, I know tonight that Satan desires to destroy the homes that are represented here at Riverside Baptist Church. 
And my desire, and I know my pastor's desire, is not to see that take place. And Lord, I'm going to confess tonight my failures as a husband and as a father and ask that you would forgive me. Lord, I know I'm not perfect. And I know that that as, as the weeks have gone on and studying and preparing for this, you've worked on my heart about some things. Lord, I know there's things in my life that I need to change or I need to get back to. God, help us tonight just to be honest with ourselves. Help us to be honest with our spouse. Maybe a husband and wife need to meet at the altar and just pray. Maybe a husband and wife just need to look each other in the eyes and tell each other, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that God created you for me. Or maybe tonight there's a young man or a young lady that needs to take their mom and dad by the hand and Just let them know they love them, they appreciate them, and they want to honor them, they want to obey them, or they want that relationship to be what it needs to be. Whatever the case is tonight, Lord, you work in our hearts and our lives as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. Business with God tonight? How's your home? You're building a home tonight. You're married, you have kids, you're building a home. You say, well, I don't have kids at home anymore, Brother Andrew. Well, you still have a home. If you're married tonight, you have that relationship with your spouse. How is it?